And uh, just thank all of you out there in the audience. We thank all of you. You're, you're just absolutely wonderful. Uh, you're a blessing to all of us, and, and we want you to know that. We want you to know that we absolutely love you. I mean, there's just no vacillating uh, in our love. And so we want you to know that, that you are important to us, those of you who are part of the fellowship, those of you who are perhaps in our audience and are wondering if you should be a part of the fellowship. If, uh, if you desire to be, you're sure welcome to do that. Uh, we absolutely love all of you. We love you whether you're a part of this particular expression or you're a part of another expression uh, of uh, the Lord's church, the Lord's body. Thank you, and thank you for our brothers and sisters around the world. We have gotten a lot of um, comments from our brothers in uh, the Philippines. We want to say brothers and sisters in the Philippines. We want to thank you so very, very much. And to those of you who are in Zimbabwe, we, we acknowledge and appreciate that. We also appreciate and acknowledge uh, those of you who are in West Africa, Ghana, Togo, and Benin, and other parts of the world. We want to thank you so much for tuning in. Those of you who have uh, been uh, listening and watching or viewing for the, the last several weeks, you know that we are uh, dealing with um, a, a subject, if you want to be great. And uh, this, is, this came by way of just the Holy Spirit dealing with me about uh, attitudes that are in the visible church, and I distinguish the visible church from the church that you cannot see. The invisible church is the true church of Jesus Christ. Uh, the visible church is comprised of a lot of people and even sometimes a lot of things. But uh, I want you to, to be aware that if you want to be great, I think is a very, very important message to all of us. We should all want to be great for Jesus. We want to do the best we can for Jesus. And uh, I have I've totally fallen in love with Jesus. I'm, uh, I'm unapologetic about that. I, I've said uh, here for a, a number of times, I'm unapologetically Christian, and I am uh, unashamedly passionate for Jesus. So th that is what drives me. That's what guides me. That is what leads me. So I think as I listen to the Holy Spirit, the voice of the Holy Spirit, I am, I am compelled. I am uh, driven, I am brought into a place to where I am zealous slash jealous for the church. Uh, I want the church to be everything that Jesus gave his life for. Now, you may say, well, it's not predicated on your passion, Pastor. That is correct. But I do believe that God gives all of us a part. If it were just based on the fact that that Jesus died for us, which is overwhelmingly important, amazingly awesome. It is all important. It is um, uh, uh, something that cannot be uh, changed in any way or it's incontrovertibly the truth. So that Jesus died for us. And, uh, but Jesus also sent out apostles. He sent out uh, Paul the apostle, Peter, James, John, Matthew, and many others. He sent them out to spread the word. And I believe that Jesus is still doing the same thing for all of us today. <clears throat> so I wanted to take up in uh, on verse, uh, not verse, but part four of if you want to be great. And I want to just share some of the things that we've shared before. But I, I, my uh, desire is that all of us will desire to be great for the Lord. And that we would know that, as my wife likes to say, that heaven is prepared for a prepared people. Heaven is prepared for a prepared people. And there are many uh, brothers and sisters whom 
I believe, are not so prepared. And I don't say that uh, because I am judging them in some wrong way, but I'm, I'm a fruit uh, p- uh, picker and I'm a fruit judger. So I judge, I'm a fruit judge rather, and I judge the fruit. So we're sharing this but because the Holy Spirit has given us some understanding. Now with that in mind, let's look at Matthew 20. I want you to turn to Matthew 20, verses 25 through 28. Um, I, I just decided at the last minute I want to share this again, Matthew 20, uh, verses 25 through 28. But Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them, over their subjects. Yet it shall not be so among you. And so Jesus is showing us a huge difference between the kingdom of heaven and the world system. So Satan's uh, system is the world system. Satan has erected uh, a system that is the polar opposite to what he saw in heaven. But you have to understand that. And when you understand that, you will stop some of the behavior that you now um, show forth or exemplify. So he says that Gentile leaders uh, are, uh, always lord it over. They become bosses. They become um, uh, people who uh, exercise authority, whether they have it somewhat legitimately or they are usurpers. They find a way to exercise authority uh, in, a, in an ungodly way. So he says, Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, that means everybody in this audience who desires to be great, let him be your servant. Let him be your servant. Let him be like a deacon uh, led the church that's helping out, moving furniture, doing the offering, um, perhaps washing windows, cleaning the podium, whatever. He says, let him be like that. Those are the great people among you. And they are not the people who perhaps drive around in, 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 uh, in nice cars, maybe chauffeur-driven cars, and everybody's carrying their bags. And sometimes people carry my bags because you know, I'm getting a little older, and sometimes they see me moving a little slowly, and they want to help me. But that is never a demand if you should see that. So I would rather carry their bags. And I say that not because I'm preaching, but because that's the way I live, and that's the way God wants you to live. Jesus goes on to say, whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Let him be your slave. So servant and slave, let him be your slave. So he's saying, be a person who volunteers to do everything. Be that person who does not have to be told to do whatever needs to be done. We recently had a remodeling here at our fellowship and uh, brothers came from everywhere, and some were bothered that they weren't asked to be a part uh, of the the, the work here. So uh, that's the attitude that great people have. Verse 28, Jesus tells us that he wants uh, those who desire uh, uh, to be great among us, let him be your servant, uh, let him be the waiter, let him wait the tables, and whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. And then he says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, um, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So Jesus says uh, he did not come to be served. He didn't come to have attendants and waiters, but to give his life as a ransom for many. 
Now, if we want to understand what being great is, let's continue to look at it because I think this is a pivotal hour for the church. This is a time when the church is on reset. Jesus is giving us an opportunity to reset, that is to do the things that we have done better than we did them before, to do them over again. You know, in the book of Revelation, he says, he says to, to uh, the church of Ephesus, you've lost your first love. Now, now repent and do those first works over, do them again. And so the church has an opportunity to be the church that Jesus died for rather than some a social entity or some uh, organization that's like other organizations in the world with all kinds of agendas. We don't have but one agenda, and that is to please the Lord. That's what we must be about. Uh, now, Jesus gives us understanding as to how this comes about. And we must understand that if we're being given, given a reset, I believe that it is for this purpose that is to please the Lord. We want to please the Lord. Jesus says uh, that, that he always did those things that pleased God. He always did those things that pleased the Lord. And so that's what we want to do. He says, he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. And this is what we're saying to the church. Don't ever say, well, we can't do it like Jesus. No, that's a minimum standard. Actually, it's not even a minimum standard. It's a terrible standard. You can be like Jesus because the, Jesus has d died to give you his spirit. So he died to give you his spirit. Therefore, you can be like Jesus by the Holy Spirit, the indwelling spirit of God. And so let's look at, at Matthew 22, verses 1 through 10. I would change that up, verses 1 through 10. I, I've, I've added some more verses because I thought it would give you a better context. Uh, initially, I was starting at verse 11, but so let me give you some context. So I'll take my time, and if we don't get through everything tonight, we'll get through it Sunday, all right? Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through, actually, we're going to go uh, 1 through 12, Okay. Hold on a minute. And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, the kingdom of heaven is like, now notice, the kingdom of heaven, the, the, that is right now, we are, we, are, we are living in the kingdom of heaven on the earth, but one day we're going to be living in heaven itself. And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. Now you gotta think of Jesus when we read that. It's like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. We're the church, we're the bride of Christ. It's like God, God has arranged a marriage for his son. This is so pivotal, right? So powerful. And he says, and he sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding and they were not willing to come. There were many times when the apostles went preaching the gospel to the Jew first, to the Jew first. And I want to say that with all respect, he sent it to the Israelis or Israelites first, to the Jews first. And um, he says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. It is to the Jew first. Sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding. And they were not willing to come. They were not willing. There were times when Paul said, uh, hey, you're, you keep rejecting what God is trying to give you. God is trying to give you the message of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, but you keep rejecting it and you're judging yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Those are some strong words, but they're words that need to be spoken. 
Verse 4 says, again, he sent out other servants saying, tell those who were invited, see, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and fatted cattle are killed. All things are ready. All things are ready. Come to the wedding. And when Jesus was walking the earth, all things were ready. It was Israel's kairos moment that they missed because they had done something that I find that the church is doing right now in 2020 and, and did in 2019 and even before. We have gone about doing our own thing rather than what God called us to do. And this, he says, come um, to the wedding all things are ready. Come to the wedding. That's what the, was the cry. That's what Jesus was actually saying as he was preaching the gospel. That's what John the Baptist told him. You know, something is about to happen. There's going to be a great wedding. Uh, but they ignored him. Many of those leaders ignored him. Then the apostles were preaching, come. Peter, after the day of Pentecost, went to, to uh, the temple and began to preach again. Man, the Holy Spirit has come. Let's repent and, and receive Jesus. But they were not willing. They were not willing, and we're living in a pivotal time again when the church is now uh, the uh, in the spotlight. The church is now um, uh, on the fulcrum, and so we have to decide what, what we're going to do. In verse 5, it says, but they made light of it. Now, now they, it's, it's hard to understand. It's, it's almost incomprehensible to think that God would give an invitation and people would make light of it. They did it there about 2,000 years ago. They did it even before 2,000 years ago. But when God came in the flesh, they did it again. And I'm offering you today that they are doing it again. There are people doing it again because the voice of the Lord the powerful, booming voice of the Lord is being spoken, and people are ignoring it, doing their own thing. Wow. Now, now listen to what he says. Um, come to the wedding, but they made light of it and went their ways. They went their ways. Today, we're doing the same thing. We're not giving preference to the things of God. We're not looking at the things of God as being all important. We're doing our own thing. Many believers are doing their own thing. And, and notice what he says. One went to his farm, his own farm. Another to his business. Wow, they just went down to the whole thing. Well, today we could say, oh, one is uh, deciding that they want to do something for the nation. Another one says, well, they want to do something for the poor in the nation. One says they want to do something for the rich in the nation. Or whatever they're saying, whatever their, their uh, uh, motives are, they are doing those things. And this is what he says. And the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious. And so this is what happened in the first century. This is what happened to the early church. They, they treated them spitefully and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious. And he sent out his armies, uh, destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready. But those who were invited were not worthy. They were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. So the servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found both bad and good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have 
on a wedding garment. So he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot, take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called, but few are chosen. And what this does say to me is that uh, the gospel has gone out and has gathered into the visible church many, good and bad. They're all sitting in the church, and some are, are trying to take and are doing a fairly good job of taking the church into secular things rather than spiritual things taking the church into secular things rather than spiritual things. I said recently to a, a group of elders, whenever I talk about these things, it is for me spiritual, it is not political. It is for me spiritual, it is not for social change. It is for spiritual change because we are now in the pivotal time when if we want to see our nation better, it is not based on what the world does. I've said this for so many years now. It is not based on what the world does. It is based upon what the church does. The scripture says that if my people, not if the world's people, but if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, turn from, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways rather and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven. So it, all these things are incumbent upon us, not the world. You cannot vote in the kingdom of God. You have to live that thing in. You have to call, hasten the day of the Lord by doing the will of God. That is the only way it comes in. And I will say it if nobody ever says it with me. That is the truth of God. And so the church is trying another way. Another way has never worked for 6,000 years. And now we're going to suddenly and in 2020, try another way? It's an impossibility. It's an impossibility. You will never be able to legislate in righteousness. And so I say that, I say that strongly to the church. I say that strongly to the church. So what we must do is be about being the church of Jesus Christ. Okay? If you want to be great, you have to serve. If you want to be great, you have to do God's will God's way. Let's look at Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, verses 46 to 48. Luke chapter 9. It said, Then a dispute arose among them as to which of them would be greatest. A dispute. Can you imagine um, the, the people of God jockeying for position, like they're on a racetrack, jockeying for position? Yeah, I want to be greater than that preacher. That pre I, yeah, I want to be greater than that deacon. I want to be greater than that one. I'm trying, always posturing and, and seeking, jockeying, jockeying for position. And this is what the, the 12 were doing. They were called by the Lord, but they still had a worldly understanding. And there are many in my, this audience today, my audience today, you are called by the Lord, but you're still carnal, fleshly, and have a worldly understanding. And, and don't get angry with me. Paul said to the Galatians, have I become your enemy because I told you the truth? I'm telling you the truth. So I want to say to all of us in the audience, we have to just stop it. Uh, Ms. Nancy Reagan, uh, wife of President Reagan, uh, had a drug campaign or, or an anti-drug campaign. She says, how does she say it? Just say no. 
And I, I always uh, uh, kind of smiled at that. I said, well, that was a good attempt. But the only people who can just say no or just do it, as Nike would say, the only people on the face of the globe are those who are filled with the Spirit of God. They can just say no or they can just do it. But we are relegating that to others. We're saying to others, you do it. Oh, let me go do it your way. I preached the message a number of years ago, maybe not a long, long time ago, maybe two or three years ago, and I was talking about Christians who are not following Jesus, but they are following worldly leaders who are blind, worldly leaders who don't know Jesus, and they are really all over Facebook and every other medium trying to get people to follow this pers person and, and taking sides with these ungodly people. And I said, that's a, a crazy thing for, to me. It, it is mind-boggling to me that the seeing would follow the blind that the seeing would follow the blind. We cannot do that. We have to do God's will, God's way. Now, let, let's see what the Scripture says. These, these apostles or disciples at that time were arguing among themselves as to which one would be the greatest. And Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a little child and set him by him. Now, notice, they want, James and John wanted to sit one at the left, one on the right, and uh, Jesus set a child by him. Uh, I found this very interesting. Uh, when Jesus set the child by him, because Jesus is, is seated at the right hand of the Father. And Jesus, a bruised reed, he doesn't break, smoking flax, he won't quench. In other words, Jesus was innocent, harmless. He, he didn't wield power carelessly and destroy people. You know, if you and I had been Jesus with that power and authority, we would, just, we would have hurt some people, right? But Jesus never did. Jesus is the Lamb of God, and God the Father, after Jesus is has spent 33 years on the earth. God the Father elevated Jesus and set him at his right hand in the heavenlies. The most trustable person in the whole universe is Jesus Christ. And so you have to be like Jesus. So be like Jesus, not like worldly leaders. There is no worldly leader that is my hero. There's no worldly leader uh, who is my role model. I appreciate uh, several of them, many of them. I appreciate them. I pray for them. I bless them, but they're not my role model. Jesus is my role model, and people who are like Jesus are my role model. Amen. And so Jesus took the child and set, it, set the child by him and by himself and said to them, whoever receives this little child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. And so Jesus is showing us the way to greatness. We receive Jesus, and, and uh, God the Father says, we also then receive God the Father. And then God the Father will bless all that we do, all that we are. Now, uh, Jesus goes on to say, for he who is least among you all will be great. Whoever is least of all will be great. So Jesus is showing us that when we get to heaven, we may be thoroughly surprised as to uh, those whom God thinks are great. Maybe it will not be somebody like me. It will be somebody that we go, really? Yes, yes, really. The, the, maybe the kindest, the gentlest, the meekest, the person who was always saying, I'll get that for you, Pastor. That's what God is saying. So I'm saying that the church is, is wrongly positioned on so much. And I want to say that not because I want to criticize the church, but because I think God has sent me as a herald for, for this generation. 
In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, Peter tells us, all of you, not some of you, not most of you, all of you be submissive to one another. What? Yes, be submissive to one another. Sometimes when I'll have meetings, I will defer to the people I've called to the meeting. And sometimes people have said to me, you're the pastor. I said, I know, you know, but I need to listen to them. I need to listen also. I'm not just a person who's going to do all the talking. I need to listen. And so if there are pastors listening today, you need to listen. And you say, well, I'll lose stature. Not in God's eyes. Not in God's eyes. All right, look. And he tells us, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. Be clothed with humility. And so I, mean, I have on clothes today. You have on clothes there. And so uh, Peter tells us that you and I should be submissive to one another. We should do that in our homes uh, with our wives, our husbands. We should do that there. We should do that in the community. We should do that in the church. And he says, and be clothed with humility. So he's saying, is put on the garments of humility. Wow. Be humble. Wow. Amazing and powerful. And then he tells you a good reason. For God resists the proud. <laughs> Can you imagine? I don't want God to resist me. No, as somebody said, I think it was in the 70s, they said, your arms are too short to box with God. Right? I don't want God to resist me. So if you want to be great, you can't be great if God is resisting you. If you're proud and arrogant and, and all self-assured, I'm not saying, you know, being a dish rag, but I'm saying be, you can care, comport yourself, carry yourself in a way that's not arrogant or haughty, uh, you know, exacting something of people that, that you didn't even give them. So God resists the proud. What? But... So he changes the direction by saying, but he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. So God gives grace to those who have grace. He gives more grace. And you and I, if we want to be great, we have to be humble. We have to receive the, the grace of God. So then also the scripture tells us, therefore humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. What? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Take down under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. And then Peter says, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. So then, so then let God be concerned. Let God deal with your cares. And, and uh, uh, Peter, uh, 1 Peter 5, 7, he, he cares for you. Now let me share uh, this, and I'll, I'm going to just end it because my message uh, is, is just kind of involved, and I, I want to end at night. Let's talk about a lamb servant king. Jesus is the lamb servant king. Heaven is ruled by a servant king. Now, Satan obviously hated the fact that Jesus, uh, the, the father, was so humble. He hated that fact. He rose up, you know, I'm the best looking. I'm, I've got all of this. He was created too. I mean, you, you're going to be created and you're going to buck. I want to be like the most high. What? And so that's Satan. And so he, heaven is ruled now by a servant king. Satan obviously did not like it. Jesus Christ, the one who died for his subjects, uh, one who rose again to justify them, to declare that they were righteous forever and ever. Uh, in Revelation chapter 5, beginning at verse 4, we kind of understand a little bit about Christ. And I want to just to say this because I want us to really grasp this and never lose it. Um, John says in verse 4, I'm just stepping in the middle of the conversation. He says, So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. So one of the elders around the throne said, Do not weep. 
Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I know we talk about the lion. We love that because in our Gentile nature, we like strength. We like survival of the fittest. We, we like take control of this thing and bring, it, bring results regardless of what people say. That's basically an attitude that I have seen in the church for far too long. And we overlook those who are humble, those who are meek, those who are lowly among us. That has to stop because if we're going to see our nations change around the world, here in America, we want to see America change. If we're going to see America change, then we must change. The church must be changed. The church must be the, uh, what Jesus died for. And look at what he says. So he said that this uh, lion of the tribe of Judah had prevailed and John says here in verse 6, And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne, and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. He took the, the scroll from the hands of the Father. He was introduced as a lion, but what John saw was a lamb that appeared to have been slain. He saw this humble, very lowly, meek lamb. That's who God has on the throne of God. And so if you want to be great, you have to be like Jesus. You have to be a lamb. Have a lamb spirit. Have, have the gentleness of a lamb. You want to be great? Jesus served. I, I, I know I've, said, I've given these examples many times, but when Jesus Christ uh, was on the earth washing his disciples' feet, can you believe that? Can you really believe that? You know, can you believe from, from the age of 12 to about 30 years old, can you believe that God had Jesus as a carpenter, working as a carpenter, making things for people, serving people? And so God may have you on a job today where maybe it's, it seems menial to you, but God has you in a place to have you as a servant. Now, lastly, if, if I said the last one was lastly, this is the last one of the lastly. You know, there's a, a, a commercial, a secular commercial, uh, where this firm says, we're here to serve you. We're always putting you first. I thought, this is a secular firm that says the way to greatness to have a successful firm is to serve. How much more the people of God? We have abdicated what God has given to us, and, and the world says, okay, I can build my business through serving, but this is what God wants us to do. He wants us to serve, to serve, to do those things that are right. Now, let me, um, this is, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to end today. Uh, I want to give an invitation, though, to everyone who, who is in the audience. Maybe, maybe you don't know Jesus, so you can know Jesus. Uh, you can know Jesus. I want you to know Jesus, and you can know Jesus by repenting. Uh, not by being remorseful, but by repenting of your sins. And just say, God, forgive me of my sins. Uh, I'm a sinner. I've done wrong. I'm listening to this preacher preaching. I'm nothing like that. Well, you can come to Jesus by saying, forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and save me. Come into my heart and save me. Because the Bible says, if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, tell God you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and God will save you eternally. Now, there are believers in the audience today. I want you to know that, that you can be different. 
you can be different. All, 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 most of us in the church have at one time or the other been co-opted by the world system. The world system has grabbed us by the nap of the neck and drug us or the seat of the pants or whatever and drug us into its own sphere. And we began to think like it. I'm going to say to you today, there's so, some of you on Facebook, you, your, your language and everything is fine. It's fine. But some of you on Facebook are just deplorable, just horrible. Here, fighting all these wars, causing division in the church of Jesus Christ. Shameful, 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 shameful conduct. And the problem is you don't have any shame. But you can come to Jesus anew. You can say, Jesus, forgive me for causing division in your body. Forgive me for hurting people that you died for. I will not hurt anybody again intentionally that Jesus died for. You may say, well, I didn't hurt them intentionally. Well, when you made that post, you hurt them. When you did that evil thing, you hurt them. When you, when you embarrassed them, you hurt them. That's not the Spirit of God. You, that is not greatness. That is not greatness. When you want to take things by, the, by, by your own strength, that's not greatness. That's not what God has called us to do. And you can come to Jesus again right now through Jesus Christ. I pray and I bless you. Now I'm going to come right back, but the uh, Brother James is here with the team, and they're going to share something with you.